0: Today is Septuagesma Sunday, and the gospel reading a point for this day is taken from the 20th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, beginning with the first verse. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. When those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. And when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things, or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last, for many are called, but few chosen. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. Today we observe the first of the three Gesima Sundays, which are sometimes referred to as the Pre-Lenten Sundays. Between the joys of Epiphany, and the penitential sorrows of Lent, and these three works, the thoughts of God's people, His holy remnant, are drawn to be ready for the season of repentance which is to come. On Septuagesima Sunday, we are roughly seventy days from the Feast of the Resurrection. We hear of the Lord's gracious calling unto His servants, the gracious reward which He has appointed to those for those whom He so calls and the hope which belongs to his elect. The words of our Lord, which we hear in today's gospel reading, are a continuation of his teaching to Peter and the rest of the, of the disciples, after a question which St. Peter posed in Matthew chapter 19. Thus we read, Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the re- regeneration... When the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. For many who are first will be last, and the last first and as we've heard jesus repeats this point so the last will be first and the first last at the conclusion of the gospel reading appointed for today jesus thus spoke first to the twelve and then he spoke concerning all who believe and have suffered the sacrifices which are attendant with making a good confession to receive a hundredfold as a mark of completion Jesus proclaims that which the reality of the of life in this fallen world often proves the one may leave one may lose family and home for the sake of the truth ironically the blessings of having the truth is one in which the world places little stock and modern man thinks only of himself and his relationships and possessions treating parents, wife, and children as if they existed only for his ends, his gratification, rather than seeing such relationships as an opportunity to render service to the Holy Trinity. But the Christian, when he suffers the loss of such kinship or possessions, because of his faithful confession, feels the loss all the more sorely, and he is troubled by the fear that the loss is a reflection of a loss of God's love. Jesus speaks this consolation to all who believe, so that when such relations or possessions are lost, not because of one's sin, but because of one's faithfulness, we would have this consolation that the Lord sees and cares for his people. In the beginning of the appointed gospel reading, Jesus speaks further of the nature of life in his kingdom. For we read, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard, Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. According to the context, we should think, first, of those who have been called to service in the office of the holy ministry, and second, of all Christians according to their various vocations. From the beginning of the gospel reading, we hear about laborers going thus about the work to which they have been called. Some work from the very first hour, and thus they work a twelve-hour day. And they say that they have borne the burden and heat of the day, which is true, no doubt. Others work for nine hours, others for six hours, others for three hours, and a few work only an hour. Several things stand out. There's a lot that needs to happen. There's a great deal of work to be done. And in all of this, we see that the landowner is diligent in seeking those who will labor in his vineyard. We hear about the labor of the laborers, but the point of the parable is not about the value of their work. The parable which we hear today is a parable of the kingdom of heaven, and the point of comparison is not found in the laborers primarily, but in the landowner. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. The laborers are simply idle in the marketplace until the landowner summons them to labor. What, then, have they been called from? What have they been called to do? Consider what the labors of men are in this world. For we read in Ecclesiastes, the first chapter, What profit is a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away, and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. And again, And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men, by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the wind. The labors of men are vanity. The course of the nations is such that it has no enduring meaning of its own. The Lord of heaven and earth has decreed that men shall eat by the sweat of their brow. The end of the labor is in the eating. And yet, at the end, our days are run down to death. Thus, the wise man sees the futility of such labor when he considers them from the standpoint of eternity. Our careers and all our hard work were only, in this sense, a way of putting food on the table. And all the pursuit of fulfillment, which seems to be the rage in our affluent society, is an empty pursuit For the fulfillment is found in the first article blessing, which sustains us. We are at a critical moment in our culture. People are becoming more aware of the futility of their labor, and they are having the understandably fleshly reaction of saying, in essence, if my labor is vanity, I refuse to work. We have been given work to do not because of its meaning, but so that we may eat our bread by the sweat of our brow. Our dollars run short. Our labors appear to be vanity. Men and women are starting to see the world to, in point of fact, be the world. They need to be guided to understand what it means. You see, the labor of the vineyard is not like that of the world. The labor under consideration in the gospel is of a different character. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. For Peter had asked, See, we have left all and followed you, therefore what shall we have? He and his brother had left the boats, left the business, left the circle of the family. He had been summoned out of vanity. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations." Jeremiah had been set aside for his prophetic role, not the basis of his labors or merits, but according to the will of the triune God. The Lord said to him, For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Through that which the Lord gave Jeremiah to speak, the will of the Lord would be accomplished. For thus we read, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. All this would be done by the Lord through the instrumentality of the prophets. The work was the Lord's, but it was accomplished through Jeremiah. Consider those words which St. Paul wrote to the Corinthian congregation, which are Today's assigned epistle lesson in 1 Corinthians 9 and 10. St. Paul wrote of all that he had done for the gospel's sake. And then he wrote, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Today, a certain sports competition will captivate millions, as it does each year. How much attention is paid to such an endeavor with little lasting significance, even in the way the world measures such things? And in China, men and women are engaged in other such events. Meanwhile, we may well stand on the brink of war between nations. Men weigh the wisdom of such a conflict, and they have opinions on the course of sporting events. These are two matters of very different measurement in the values of the world, but they are still evaluated according to the criteria which St. Paul set forth nearly 2,000 years ago. The labor of the vineyard is all that which is done in service of the kingdom of heaven, And we have been summoned to such labor. Our labors are no longer in vain. But St. Paul reminds us how many were disqualified of old on account of their unbelief. Those whose bodies were scattered in the wilderness were those who had come out of Egypt in the Exodus, who had crossed through the waters, who had eaten the bread of angels. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The arrogance of the grumbling first servants is that they thought they worked in the vineyard according to their own merits, and not according to the graciousness of the landowner. He took nothing from their promised reward, and yet they grumbled about his benevolence toward those who worked a shorter time. Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? There is one whose labor is not in vain. There is one who perfectly fulfills the will of the Lord. Christ Jesus came to perfectly fulfill the Father's will, and thus accomplished the atonement for sin. It is thus that when Jesus had told the parable that we read in Matthew chapter 20, now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. This work is the one which endures, for it accomplishes the salvation of all who believe in the Christ. Our labors are of the law. They show us how we need a Savior, for sin taints our every thought, word, and deed. But the work of Christ Jesus is purest gospel for us, life and salvation. Not an account of what we have done, but an account of what he has done, accomplished, fulfilled for us. False teachers corrupt the proclamation of the word and teach men to rely on their own labors, their own decision. The word of God proclaims salvation by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit works through that word to create the very faith which lays hold of the gift of the Lord. We are by nature sinful and unclean, and our labors are in vain. But the Lord was born in the Virgin Mary that he might bear our sins and pay for them upon the cross, so that we would have life and salvation in him, through faith in him. When the sorrows of the Lenten season are upon us, our thoughts will be on the Lord, who is our life and peace. Even as we fast and pray, we know that our salvation is not in such things, but in the work of Christ Jesus for he has called us out of death into the new life in him, that we would be at peace with God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we beseech thee favorably to hear the prayers of thy people, that we who are justly punished for our offenses may be mercifully delivered by thy goodness for the glory of thy name. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10 a.m. worship service. Sunday school falls immediately after the divine service. We also have our midweek service on Wednesday at 11 a.m. for our matins, and we invite you to join us then as well. Salem is located approximately two miles north of Malone, off of FM 308. For more information on Salem Lutheran Church and these broadcasts, you may visit us on the internet at www.salemlutheranchurch.net. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.